0: Back with you today. I had last week off and uh, had some good vacation time as well. Today we uh, our day passed a uh, big celebration, and uh, many perhaps are someplace else gathered with family or friends uh, for this weekend. Uh, some maybe are listening today online as well. Yesterday was the Fourth of July, this national holiday also known as Independence Day. And traditionally in the United States of America, July 4th, then is marked by things like parades and fireworks and so on. Fun, fun, joyous occasions of, or expressions really of of thanksgiving for the country that we live in here in America and the land of the the free and the home of the brave. And you know, with all of the unrest and discord in our land these days, I, I think maybe it's good if we just pause a bit and remember where this holiday came from, and and just what it is that we're celebrating. Most of you have heard of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, It was a document that was approved back in July of 1776 by the Continental Congress of 13 American colonies at that time, and they were then declaring to the King of England, and really to the whole world, that they were breaking their bonds with Great Britain. And they were declaring themselves independent and free to govern themselves. And that's quite a radical move, and whatever possessed them to do such a thing? And I don't know if you've ever read the uh, whole Declaration of Independence, but it is kind of interesting. Uh, if, if you take a look at that, there is a list of quite a few grievances expressed there regarding this absolutely tyrannical rule of the colonists that they had lived under them for many years And the numerous attempts they had made to uh, have the king address and deal with some of those issues and and how he had then responded really by just sending more troops to force submission and to kill at will whomever they wished. And and that meant sometimes shooting them, sometimes hanging people without any kind of a trial and, and burning homes and so on. And so it was, and at last, the colonies had banded together and they had declared they would no longer submit. And the beginning words of that declaration are famous, and I'm going to just read a portion of that here today. The Unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have, bonds which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they would declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then the declaration goes on to explain how the colonists didn't come to these conclusions hastily, and then it lists those many grievances, and then it ends with these words. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So what do we celebrate in America this weekend? 244 years of the freedom to govern our own affairs and to not be subject to the rule then of a monarch or dictator and how we have a lot of unrest in our land these days and and there are a lot of accusations that are thrown around about various ones of our current leaders and in spite of all of that I still am convinced that I'd rather live here in the United States of America than anywhere else in the world and I'm still convinced that the ideals that it shaped this land from its humble beginnings are worth preserving, if anyone will remember them. The passage of scripture you're going to look at today uh, recalls God's providential hand on another land, the, the land of Israel. And, and it's an Old Testament Psalm we'll look at, um, likely written to be read at one of their three national holiday weeks. You might have noticed uh, today there there isn't an outline in your bulletin this week. I I had a sudden change of plans come at me on Friday morning before I got some of that stuff to Annie. But the outline is really simple. I'm convinced that you can all actually remember it. It consists really of three key words. They all start with R. Here it is. Rejoice. Remember. And repent. Look for those emphasis as we read through this text today. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we look at Psalm 81. <clears throat> Sing for joy to God, our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise the song, strike the timbrel, the sweet-sounding lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. He established it for a testimony in Joseph. When he went through the land of Egypt, I heard a language that I did not know. I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. You called in trouble, and I rescued you. I answered you in a hiding place of thunder. I proved you in the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, If you would listen to me, let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. And so I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart, to walk in in their own devices, Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who hate the Lord would pretend obedience to him, and their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this, your word, here in the Psalms, and... Lord, we pray that as we meditate on it, you would open our eyes and our, our minds to understand uh, the setting that it took place in, uh, of our hearts also then to understand the challenge that you put to your people. And oh Lord, may we humble our hearts uh, before you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Rejoice, remember, and repent. First of all, rejoice. You see that right there in verse one. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. This psalm calls the people of Israel to sing and to shout joyfully. And you know, when we are joyful, then singing and shouting just kind of happen naturally, don't they? We can hardly even help ourselves sometimes from shouting out when our team is winning in an athletic event. Our spirits sing when we're joyful. And the psalmist here says to sing and to shout joyfully to God because he is our strength. And he reminds them the descendants of Jacob to sing and to shout to the God of Jacob because he's still their God too. And he further then states that, that their joy-filled expression should include various musical instruments. For instance, he mentions the timbrel, or another translation says a tambourine, and that's something you... Don't play softly, but loudly, joyfully. Then there's the lyre and the harp. They are sweet-sounding, and the trumpet has a a piercing sound. What is the occasion for this joyful music and shouting? It's one of the major national holidays of Old Testament Israel. You know, people here in America travel someplace and gather with relatives and friends, often for the Fourth of July or for other holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter and so on well as I understand it there were three times during the year that the Old Testament Israelites were encouraged to gather with their family and friends and then to travel um, from wherever they lived to the capital city of Jerusalem and with travel as it was back then uh, these weren't just a day long or, or a weekend holiday but more like a week long And they weren't intended to be times of wild partying and indulgence, but they were intended to be happy times of spiritual refreshment and celebration of God's goodness to them, maybe a little bit like some of us have experienced with a week of Bible camp or annual conference or fly convention. I want to just mention those three Jewish festivals. The first one, probably familiar with the Passover. That would occur in the spring of the year also was known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was a time that they would then remember God's delivering them from slavery in Egypt and remember particularly that night when the angel of death had visited the houses in, in Egypt and had passed over any of the houses that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. That's the Passover. Well, then there's Pentecost. That would occur 50 days after the Passover, and that's why the penta word uh, or, or prefix there Um, Also, you would say, you could figure it this way, seven weeks and a day after the Passover was this feast of weeks, celebrating then the culmination of the exodus from Egypt and their weeks then of traveling to the point where they got encamped there at Mount Sinai, where God gave them then the Ten Ten Commandments. And the third Jewish uh, festival is Sukkot, a week at the end of September, beginning of October, kind of around that time, and it was maybe more known as the Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booze, commemorating then their wilderness journey. That is those 40 years that they traveled through the wilderness, living in tents there in the wilderness, before they got to enter the Promised Land. And so on the week that they would have this festival, people of Israel would camp out in tents, for the entire week. And my guess is that that when they got back home, they were thankful for their homes and and that they didn't have to live in tents anymore. Well, this Feast of Tabernacles was a week-long festival that would begin with a collection of palm and willow branches, which I believe then would be waved as a symbol of rejoicing before the Lord. And the purpose of that event then was to celebrate and remember God's goodness to them God's giving them the law as well and that covenant that God had established then between Israel and the Lord so you look at verse 3 here the psalmist says here something he says blow the trumpet at the new moon and at the full moon on our feast day for it's a statute for Israel an ordinance of the God of Jacob Now what what's the deal there uh, about the moon well it says. When is the new moon? That's the first day of the month. And full moon is on the 15th. And in those days then, with, without modern ways of communication, a, a trumpet-like instrument um, called the shofar was used then to call people together at certain times. And so it was then that at the new moon, that would be on the first day of the, of the seventh month, trumpets would sound throughout the land, and they would remind the people of that upcoming trip to Jerusalem, and it would call them to turn their hearts to the Lord, and, and, and to prepare, and pack up, and travel to Jerusalem. And then, 15 days later, then on, on the full moon, was the Feast of Tabernacles itself. They it would occur as they were gathered in Jerusalem, and that was the beginning of that week of, of living then in tents near Jerusalem, and, and remembering those 40 years that they'd lived in the wilderness, and how God had blessed and provided for them since then and they would come together with other believers then each day at the temple and they would worship god together and it was a joyful time of celebration and the people of israel and we today then are called to come together and to rejoice in god our awesome god our faithful god secondly then remember and i find it interesting here How in the next part of the psalm, the the psalmist is calling on the people to look back on something in history and remember something that they weren't even alive for, but their ancestors had experienced. And so we're talking then about learning from history. And I I am convinced that a a big part of what is wrong in our land today is that we don't do that enough. If we stopped and, and we compared our lives today to what many of our ancestors went through, we'd complain a whole lot less, wouldn't we? we'd also see god's hand of faithfulness now i know i've told you before in messages here um, of some of the things i observed in my grandpa my mom's dad i had the privilege of knowing him and i saw a steadfast faith in his life and but i don't think i've ever told you about my dad's dad because you see i never knew him and everything that i know about him i had to learn then from others but here's some of what I found. I, I want you just to imagine here, to put, set the time frame here, imagine if you were born in 1900. That was the year that Grandpa Ludwig was born. He was the ninth of 12 children. And, and when he was 14 years old, World War I began. And, and two of his brothers were sent off overseas. That war ended when he was 18. Both of his brothers came home safe but around 22 million people worldwide died, including about 117,000 Americans. It was that year, then, that the Spanish flu became this global pandemic, killing about 500 million people worldwide, including about 675,000 Americans in about a two-year period. Well, Grandpa Ludwig married at age 25, and about a year later, his first child was born and that was my dad and when Ludwig was 28 he had triplet daughters born and and they died in infancy when he was 29 a global economic crisis hit and, and, it, and it started with the collapse in of the New York Stock Exchange and, and it caused massive inflation unemployment and famine and he lived through those years that we know as the Great Depression When he was 33 years old, uh, the Nazis came to power. And uh, when he was 39, then World War II broke out, and it ended when he was 45 years old, and about 60 million people worldwide had died connected to that war, including over 400,000 Americans, and as you know, six million Jews. Imagine living through that time. Toward the end of the war, Two of Ludwig's sons enlisted, but fortunately, the war ended before they saw active combat. When he was 52, then the Korean War began. He had friends, or some of the friends of my dad, I know, that went off to war for that. And when he was 57 years old, his wife died of a sudden stroke at age 54. Three years later. He died at age 60 of a heart attack, and two months later, I was born. Now, I don't know a whole lot more about my grandpa, Ludwig. I've heard that uh, he was kind of a stern man in his demeanor, and I've also been told by some of my aunts that, for some reason, uh, they think I look a lot like him. But I also do know that he was a man of great faith and trust in God, and that involved some significant sacrifice on his part as, as he sent all four of his kids that lived um, away for high school in Fargo at Oak Grove so they could attend Christian high school. And the, the strong Christian faith that Ludwig and Emma believed and, and lived out then through those very challenging years was passed on to all four of their kids and to many of their kids I should say, of the the grandkids and and great-grands and so on. It's good to look back and, and to remember some things that we didn't even live through, but to remember what some of our ancestors experienced, especially if it helps to point us to the faithfulness of God. In verses 6 to 10 here, the psalmist reflects back on what God did for the nation of Israel and how he rescued their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. Verse 6, I, I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. He's telling us about how they were delivered from the back-breaking slave labor of making and hauling bricks. Verse 7, you called in trouble and I rescued you. I answered you in the hiding place of thunder. He's saying, I, the hiding place of thunder is up there in the heavens. I answered your prayers from there. I proved you at the waters of Meribah. Well, Meribah is that place in the wilderness where the children of Israel were all out of water and God then caused it to uh, just gush forth from a rock for them. Verse 8 and following, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would listen to me. Let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And he is saying then to the current people of Israel at the time that this psalm was written, quit looking around you at all kinds of other things to satisfy you because there are no other gods. I am your God. I rescued your ancestors from Egypt. And I would be glad to rescue you too in, in your present distress if you would just look to me and ask me. And so... Rejoice and remember. And then thirdly, repent. And repent means to to admit you have been wrong in your thoughts or words or actions and, and then ask for forgiveness and turn from sin to God. In verse 11 and following, then the psalmist says it like it is there really, regarding God and his people in that day, and he spells out the consequences of not listening to God For individuals and for a nation. He says there but my people did not listen to my voice and Israel did not obey me and so I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Isn't that part of what has happened in America today as well? As much of our nation does not know or care about our history or care about the founding focus of dependence on God and his principles and his moral guidelines instead they've chosen to establish their own focus which is really based on how they feel at the time and so God has has given our nation over to live as they wish and to walk in their own devices and we've seen some of the results of that haven't we we've seen Anarchy in parts of our land. You know, if everyone gets to establish their own laws and morals, then that's what it's going to look like. And I believe that the next verses here then reveal the heart of God for America as well. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways, and I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. How we need to pray for revival in our land today starting with the people of god who claim to be christians how we need to humble ourselves and pray for forgiveness for chasing after things as more important than god and for not listening to his commandments and not living or i should say and living not for him but to indulge in our own fleshly desires how we need to pray that god would again move his people to truly live out their faith in such a way that the world around us would see our love for each other and for others and would see the light then of Jesus Christ shining through us. And speaking of Jesus Christ, you know, this psalm doesn't refer to Jesus directly. But it does indirectly. As we learn from the New Testament, the picture of the Old Testament exodus is really a picture then also of God's rescuing of his people from slavery to sin. And the Old Testament Passover with the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, that that points us ahead to Jesus, the one who is the Lamb of God, who died and shed his blood to spare us from the death that we deserve. And, And it's because then of Jesus that we can be sure that God's mercy and grace still offers us forgiveness if we'll just turn from our stubborn ways and look to him. If I understand some of these verses right, then they are saying that if God's people would listen to him and walk in his ways, then, then God would deal with our enemies, so much so that they would pretend obedience to him. Verse 15, those who hate the Lord would pro- pretend obedience to him. Their time of punishment would be forever. But I would feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. you now, isn't that what people do sometimes? They pretend to obey God but they don't really know him their hearts aren't really right with him they, they just go through the motions outwardly but as reminded here God sees through all that and he sees right into the heart and, and he will someday then righteously judge all who hate him but he also has this marvelous grace for all who will humble themselves and repent of their sins and return to him he wants to relieve our shoulders too of the burden of guilt that we carry around because of our sin if we will just turn to Jesus he's the one who says come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest and you know I guess I, I don't believe that he calls us to repent of our ancestors sins but of our own sins and to learn then from the sins of our ancestors if they were stubborn or hard hearted to God or their fellow man, learn from them so that we won't be like them. And so, as we sum up this psalm today here, rejoice in God who is our strength, or at least who desires to be that for any of us as we live in these challenging days. And then remember his providential hand on generations in the past in this land as. Providential hand in our own lives as well. And then repent of our waywardness, our sins, and thought, word, and deed, our stubbornness with God. And then I might just add one other R word there, and that is rest, then. Rest today in his promise of forgiveness and power to bring about life change here and now and to bring us to eternal life and glory with him someday. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders both from your word and from our own uh, nation's history, our own families' histories, Lord, uh, of your goodness and, and your um, hand in our lives, in, in their lives. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, that, that we would rejoice in recognizing who you are, that we would look back and remember your hand of faithfulness and mercy. And Lord, that that would cause us to live in daily repentance and faith. And now, as we come toward the end of our service and we have time to partake of communion today, we thank you that in Jesus you want to strengthen our assurance that our sins are forgiven. And as we take the bread and the wine, Lord, we, we remember that time when you shared that with the disciples in reminiscence of the Passover, and you pointed to yourself, the Lamb of God who takes away this of the world, and we, we pray that you would help us, Lord, this day, that you, Lord, who know each one of our hearts, would also reveal those things to us and help us that we would be honest with you, that we would not be stubborn as examples from the past, but, Lord, that we would live uh, humbly before you confession of sin and trust in your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.